Probably, probably the, the, be, the, the, I would say the most valuable commodity that any of us have is our time. We don't know how much of it we have, but probably not as much as we think we do. I have an idea. Um, but you see, God dwells outside of time. God is eternal. That's why Jesus, he was fully God, but he became fully human. And this is one of the deepest truths of, uh, of the Bible, the, the, the doctrine of Christ, the, the teaching uh, about who he is, his dual nature, that being one who lived in time in real flesh, he could, really human, he could take our place. He could be our substitute on the cross as long as he was perfect in every way which he was. But he also had the resources to pay for the sins of all people starting with Adam and Eve all the way to the last one that will ever live because he's also fully God, not part God, part man, fully God, fully human. So he had the resources to be able to pay for all the sins of mankind because our sins separated us from God. And the only way you and I can pay for it ourselves is to be separated from God forever and ever. And since God is the source of all light and all love and all joy and all peace and all happiness, he's the only true source of those things. If you're separated from God, you're separated from all of that. The only thing that's left is darkness and weeping. And the Bible gets very descriptive when it talks about that separation. But we don't have to have that. The Lord went to a lot of trouble to save us. He went to a lot of trouble in real time on the cross. And he proved it when he rose from the grave. And he's proving it every day in the lives of people that are allowing him not only to save them from being separated from him, save us from our sins, but, but he transforms us. And he never gives up on us. And he's still working on me. And, and, and I, I know this is one thing that, that the Lord has been convicting me about so much in these recent years. I'm, I'm beginning to realize, you know, as it's, as it's uh, you know, it, we're getting older, right? Uh, and um, yeah, I've never been old before. I stink at it. I'm no good at it. But, but I'm learning. I'm learning. You know, it's like, it's a... Uh, uh, I was, I was telling Clarissa the other day, you know, even at this age, we even try to be all romantic and whisper sweet nothings to each other. And it's like, we can't even hear it. Like, what? What did you say? Huh? What? <laughs> it just messes up everything. But you become more conscious of that, of that stewardship that we have. Now, when I say stewardship, that word literally means management. It means to manage something. And so I want to talk today for a little bit as we're coming out of Thanksgiving and we're headed toward Christmas. We all enjoy and celebrate. We're going to enjoy and celebrate uh, just here tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun with decorations. It needs to be something that is fun and festive and all of that. And there's meaning in all of it also. Uh, but but the, the commercialism and everything that's going on in our world begins to just engulf all of these things. And so we need to step back and listen to some words of Jesus about true wisdom and about the true value of things. We're going to talk about Stewardship. We did a whole series on this several years back, uh, four or five years ago, uh, and, and, and we focused on this. Uh, it's a way of living. It's dealing with our time, our talents, and our treasures. Our time, our talents, 
and our treasures. So I want you to turn to Matthew. And by the way, there are notes online if you haven't found them yet. Uh, I would like for you to take a look at that. Um, and uh, let me get this back where it belongs. Uh, okay, there we go. Uh, where is your treasure? Now, I'm going to read part of this. I'll summarize part of it, but please follow along. And if you've got the online notes, uh, make them your own, okay? Do that so you've got something to meditate on later. It's not just about putting, them in, our time, putting in our time and checking the box that we went to church and listened to a sermon and we did all that. It's about, you know, here, here's a key word for today. The Lord put a word on my, got a word from the Lord today, right? I got a lot of words, actually. However, there's one that, that just, just, just he called my attention to. Listen to Lana's testimony and praying together and just thinking about things. It's this. It's the word different. Think about it. I, I want to leave here different than when I came. Yeah, I want to be different this week than I was last week. I want to be different in that I'm closer to Christ and more like him. He makes me different than I was. He's the only one who can, and we talked about it about a week or so ago, about we can only self-help ourselves so much. I need divine deliverance, right? All right, let's read Jesus' words where he, he, he talks about this. And uh, so follow along with us there in your, in your copy of the Scriptures. I'm reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. Uh, And so follow along. He says in verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now get this, key verse. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. Then he talks, he uses the eye as an illustration. Now we're talking about the heart. We're going to explain this in just a moment. He's talking about the heart, the, the, the deepest part of who you are, right? And he uses the eye as an illustration. If your heart is out of focus, he uses eye as an illustration. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye's healthy, the whole body's going to be full of light. But if your eye's bad, your body will be full of darkness. And, and then if the only light you have is actually darkness, it's kind of like a, a saying here. And then, boy, how deep is that darkness, right? Uh, and, and so he uses that as an illustration. We'll come back to it. And then he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Then he gives this illustration about not being anxious about your life, about what you eat and what you drink, about what you will wear. Ow. That seems like some pretty legit things to be concerned about, doesn't it? I mean, he's not like, don't be anxious about, you know... Uh, whether your football team's going to win this week and whether this is this, you know, all these crazy things. But it's, it's, it's basic stuff. What you're going to eat, you know, we, we have to have, these are basic necessities he's talking about. I mean, food and, and if you, you can't go very long without water and clothing and things like that. He says, don't be anxious about it. And he talks about how that God takes care of the birds and, and, and feeds, you know, and, and, and he, he clothes them. And, and even uses the lilies that bloom and flower out, you know, in the field about how beautiful they are. And, and then he says that, you know, and he does that for them. You know, and Solomon in all of his glory wasn't as beautiful as these. Oh, by the way, this is the creator who's saying these things. Don't forget that part. 
And then he says, you know, and they're that beautiful. <laughs> I, I think this is funny. You know, that they're, they're, they're alive and tomorrow, I think it's verse 30, they're thrown into the oven. They didn't just throw lilies in the oven and, and, and grass of the field in the oven. I mean, they, they did. They used it as fuel. I mean, if you've been in this part of the country, I mean, there's not a lot of trees, you know. And so a lot of times the, uh, the animals, they, they ate the, 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 uh, the different plants and the grasses. And, and so it was actually, they took their, um, their dung and dung is just another word for poop, okay? But uh, I could have said that differently, I know. But that's what they burned. I mean, you know, <laughs> you weren't smoking that lamb for, 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 for a festival right there. You know what I'm saying? It would not, would, not, would not be right. But they used it as heat in the ovens, right? You know what I'm saying? So he says, basically, you know, when they knew what he was telling us. They knew, that's what happens to it. I mean, he makes them that beautiful, and, and that's what happens, right? So how much more important are you, Okay. Okay? Now, I better move on. So, so he comes on, then in verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, after that illustration, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the heathen folk, seek after all these things. And get this, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But you seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's kind of like an old saying. You know, every day's got enough trouble of its own. You deal with today. Don't borrow from tomorrow. When you get there, it's going to be there, okay? All right, so this is what Jesus is telling us. Now, when we're studying this, here's here's a basic principle we want to lay out there that we should know is um, that um, everything that we have, this is what the Bible teaches. This is what Jesus is teaching. This is what the whole Bible teaches. When you look at the whole book, it teaches that everything belongs to God. He's the creator, not just of earth, but of the entire universe and beyond. All right? So everything belongs to him. If I make something, it's mine. Right? He made it all out of nothing, the Bible says. So everything belongs to God. Everything that we have comes from God. And then it is distributed by God as he sees fit. And it doesn't all seem fair to us. So everything that I have belongs to God. It comes from God. And, and he has given me a portion of something. And since I'm, I'm, I'm realizing this is a whole issue, stewardship management is about ownership. When I realize who the true owner of all my stuff is, of all my, my, my things that I say that I own, who actually owns it, my, my uh, ability, my talents, my, which I don't have a lot there. I mean, he distributed, he, he kind of, some of you got more, you know, but, but that's God's business. You know, why go around being all bummed out? Because, okay, Lord, you know, but too much is given, much is expected, correct? Okay, you remember that. Um, so, and then like the talents that, and, and the time that I have, it comes from him. It's, it's about him, right? So he allows, us, allows me to manage these things. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about having, here's what we're talking about, having the right focus and having the right priorities. And when we do that, when we have the right focus and the right priorities, it will eliminate a- anxiety and it eliminates imbalance in our lives. So ultimately, this is about, this is about, oh boy. This is about walking by faith in God and about obedience as a result of that as it relates to our daily management of our time, talents, and treasures.
Okay. Um, that whole area of, of stewardship is one the Bible talks about a lot, more often than I do. Jesus spoke about it a lot. And it's a, it's a gauge that can show uh, a lot about my spiritual life. When I, when I look at this issue alone, it can show a lot about my personal walk with God. It's, as I said, about recognizing him as the owner of all things. And when I realize that my time, treasure, and talents all really belong to him, and I'm, he's given me a portion to manage, it changes the way I view it. It changes my whole attitude about it, and it changes my anxiety. The priority and the right focus, it changes everything. So he says here in in our text that we were reading that um, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the heart that he's talking about, I think you realize it refers to the real you. Uh, uh, you know, and, and the real you, the real you inside, okay? So, so the heart is a big deal. They, they knew back even in old days that that organ in there that we call the heart was, was pretty important. I mean, you know, um, I don't want to get all gross and stuff here, but, you know, they did a lot of hand-to-hand combat back then. I mean, you were fighting with swords and things, and, you know, they knew what it was like to, to, to have an accident or get cut or in battle, and they would see someone get cut, and they would see the blood pumping. They knew this thing in here. There's a thing in here that's, going, you know, that's pumping, that's beating, you know, and, and then... And there would be, uh, if, if you were cut, there would be blood that would be coming out. And, and you can only lose so much of that before you die, right? And so God even declared the life's in the blood. That is, without blood, uh, there is death. And then, and then in the beginning, before Christ came, he set up the example of those sacrifices that were to teach that the wages of sin is death. As they offered all those sacrifices in the Old Testament, it was pointing to who Jesus was and who he would be and who, what he would do, right? Because as the animal bled out... And that sacrifice, it was a graphic picture to everyone. The wages of sin is death. The Bible declares that over and over again. So they knew the importance of the heart and blood and all that, even though they didn't have a lot of medical knowledge like what we have. So the heart began to be, because it's so important, it began to refer, you know, refer to your whole being, your mind, and who all, the way you think, and, and just who you are. So that's what we're talking about here. And Jesus says, your heart, that's the real you, the real conscious self of who you are, is with what you treasure, what you hold most valuable in your life. So this is what he's meaning when he says that. Uh, so the big question today isn't just, what are my treasures? The big question that God wants us to think about is, where is my heart? Where is my life, really? What is my life? What is it pouring itself into? And because Jesus said, your heart uh, is with what you truly treasure, then that's where, that's where he's directing our thinking today, okay? So I want us to think about this and take a deeper look at it. So Jesus is telling us if our heart is out of focus... There's going to be consequences. And he uses that illustration in verse 22 about the eye and the body. It's just like if, if, you, if you can't see well or if you're totally blind, you have no light. Your whole body, your whole self is in darkness. But he's focusing in on your heart and where it is. And then he uses this as an illustration. So that's telling me that if your heart is out of focus or if it's bad, it's going to affect your whole body, your whole life. That's the big point that we're making here about being out of focus. Because you can be out of focus when it comes to understanding God's ownership and being a steward of your time, talent, and treasures. You can be out of focus. Okay, uh, 
I, I, can, I can give you this by personal experience, okay? And I think you can too. You can be out of focus and not even realize it. Yeah, you can. Because it follows what we call the law of the harvest. Now, this is a, 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 a universal law. Jesus is applying it uh, here, uh, I think, because he's talking about being out of focus and have our priorities right. Paul explained it this way uh, over in uh, Galatians chapter 6. You remember this passage where he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I mean, you're not going to get by with that. You might try it, but ultimately you're not going to get by with mocking God. Because this always holds true. There's one law of God you can't break. Say, well, I thought I'd broken all of God's rules or laws. No, this is one you can't break, the law of the harvest. And that is whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh... Uh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. He was actually talking about taking care of people there too and, and financial things, and it applies in the spiritual area. So most of us, you know, grown up around farms or on farms, and, you know, I grew up on a farm and almost like in a barn. Uh, but um, anyway... You know the whole thing is you reap what you sow. But you don't reap it right then. You reap it later. You reap what you sow later than you sow. And you reap more than what you sow. Because one seed produces a plant that produces many, right? Seeds or grain. So that's how that works. Now, one reason why I I don't always realize when I'm out of balance because I'm planting the wrong seeds or I'm sowing to the flesh and I don't, I don't get an immediate harvest. If it followed the law of Pinocchio, it would probably have an effect on us. Uh, you don't know what the law of Pinocchio is? Well, you remember when Pinocchio told a lie, what happened? Immediately, his nose started growing, right? So if that happened every time we told a lie and, and everybody could see it, you know, we would probably be like, oops. Or if you listen to something you shouldn't listen to, your ears grew. Or if you said something that you shouldn't say, your lips grew. Uh, something like that happened. I mean, we would deal with it immediately. But because in this area of being a steward of our life and, and these things, because there's not an immediate consequence, sometimes we're out of balance and we don't even recognize it. Um, we don't learn like we should and change. So... And they also don't, this doesn't follow the law, as I said, of fairness, because life isn't fair. I mean, sometimes richer people do get richer and poorer people do get poorer. Uh, We should work hard because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes working hard doesn't guarantee that, um, you know, uh, something as it relates to uh, the health of your balance sheet or, or your advancement or something like that. I mean, you know, I, I, for one, know what it's like to be like one working so hard. And, and people not even, you know, realize it. Things like that. You know, I mean, not just here, but, you know, other places too. Um, so, but, but, you know, life isn't always what we call fair. And did you know that, that uh, usually, watch this now, that, that the way God interacts with us might not be what we call fair. You might say, God's not fair, but God is just and perfect and holy. And I'm glad God's not fair, 
because the most unfair thing that ever happened in the history of the universe is Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, suffering the consequences of my sin just so I can be forgiven and my sin debt be paid in full by him. It was just because my sins had to be paid for. God just couldn't overlook and allow sin into his presence or he wouldn't be perfect and heaven wouldn't be a perfect place. Something had to be done about it. So it was just. That's why God can look at you, the guilty sinner who puts his or her faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for them and you trust him totally. totally. That's why God can declare your sin debt paid in full and he can declare you forgiven. Because when you forgive a debt, that means you absorb the, the loss, Right? If you're going to forgive a debt, someone owes you money, and you say you don't have to pay it back, you're forgiven, where does the money come from that covers it? You cover it yourself. That's what God did on the cross. And that's how that a guilty sinner coming by faith to Christ can be declared then forgiven and not guilty. He says not only are you forgiven, but you're no longer even guilty. He doesn't just kind of like hold it against you. It's gone. That's why a perfect God can take a guilty sinner like me and say not guilty anymore and still be true to his perfection and holiness and justice because the price was paid by the only one besides me that was qualified, Jesus Christ. That's why all roads do not lead to heaven, folks. That's why Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. There may be a lot of religions that some people think do them a lot of good, but this is the only way we find redemption and life and eternal life is through Christ. This is so simple. That's the gospel, y'all. That's the gospel. That's what it's about. When I realize then he is the Lord over everything. See, if I keep thinking all this stuff is mine, then I got big problems to deal with. But when I realize it's his, it takes some of the heat off. So guess what else I can do? I can actually enjoy it even more. Hmm? Think about that. Because I know this. It really sets us free. So the consequences of having the wrong focus, it can show up in a lot of ways in our life. Um, We're focused on ourselves and how we spend our time selfishly and how we use all the resources God has given us selfishly and, 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 and even the finances we have selfishly to lay up treasures on earth. We may try to do that, but it occurs to me that we don't really understand where they are. Where, where on earth are they? Lay up treasure, treasure. And I always think about, you know, what, what my papa used to always say about, you know, things like you do something crazy. Where on earth did you get that idea? I'm like, I, over there, I don't know where. <laughs> where on earth or what in this world, right? Yeah. Uh, what in the world? I mean, you know, I, I, I would, I, you know, maybe you'd do something and you, wrong, and, and I say, like, what in the world? I mean, we're, we're going to call the, I mean, the whole world in on this thing here, right? Or, or how about this one? You remember Yosemite Sam? He'd say, what in tarnation, right? See, and if you're from the South, you understood that that was a, a contraction of, of words, right? It, 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 tarnation means what in the entire nation, right? Tarnation. Am I not right on this? Huh? Yeah, yeah, you never look at... You understand Yosemite Sam now. What in tarnation? It's the, but when he says play treasures on earth, is when we, we're doing that, we think we're doing it, but we don't even really know where on earth they actually are. <sighs> okay. 
See, you can be out of focus and not even realize it, or you might not immediately have problems. You might not immediately know uh, that we're mismanaging our abilities, we're mismanaging our time or, or our finances. This is where it gets complicated because we need to understand, I need to understand why I have things in the first place. Why do I have things? Um, Because if we don't have the right focus, we won't make right decisions about time and resources at all. Got to have the right focus. That's what Jesus is saying. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness in our lives. Why do I have, what's the point of having stuff? I'm just going to call it stuff. You know, we use that word a lot around here and stuff, right? Some people say stuff and all the time and stuff, right? Talking about our stuff. Okay, you got it. Why do we want stuff? Well, there's really two big reasons is uh, we, we want stuff to, to have just for, for, for the whole point of, of having stuff. Got a lot of stuff. A lot of things I need, I want, right? Okay. So we want to accumulate. All right. Not necessarily bad. Not necessarily bad. And the other reason is for security. We're afraid at some point we're not going to have enough, and we're anxious about it, and we want, we want security. Now, there's nothing wrong with planning, you know, for that in itself. But, but when you get these things out of focus, then, then it does become bad, Okay. So it's not wrong to have stuff, not wrong to have security, but what's the point of it all? And the Bible points out all the way through that the whole point of everything that we have, ultimately, the ultimate goal of everything is to glorify God because he's God. And if you say, well, isn't that kind of selfish on God's part? You don't know who God is. If he's God, this is right. It's what it's all about. Somehow or another, we think we're God ourselves, I guess. And that's why we get our focus all messed up. So we want to make the right kind of decisions because sometimes the consequences may not show up uh, where we think that they will. It shows up in other areas of life. So, so if we're out of balance, say, in our finances, uh, it may not show up immediately in our not being able to pay our bills. It, it might show up in other areas of life because we've got improper value system. We're not, we're not managing our time, talents, and treasures properly. It can create an improper value system in the home. Like if you grew up in a family, maybe, and, and okay, don't raise hands or anything, maybe your, your folks constantly argued about, and maybe we do. And this is one of the big things we argue about is money. Let's just be honest, right? Don't look around and say like, well, poor people. No, we all do, right? If you're married and you've never disagreed about this, then do you guys even live in the same state? Yeah, I mean, what's the deal? I want to I learn something from you if that's the case. Never forget one time, an older, I'm going to be very vague with this, but an older couple was talking, and I was talking, we were going to have some marriage uh, seminars and things, and I was talking about how he's like, well, me and my wife never really had a fight or argument or anything like that, and I kid you not, while he was saying that, and I think he meant like, like they were going to split up. I think that's what he meant. But he said it like that. He said, we've never really had an argument or a fight or anything. And no kidding, while he's saying that, she's rolling her eyes right beside him. And I'm a young pastor watching this. And I'm like, oh, I'm in way over my head here. Lord, help me. 
So God wants us to be able to know why we have stuff and, and, and use it properly to his glory. And, and when you do that, you enjoy it more because um, he, he, to enjoy the things he's provided for us. Say, well, I worked hard. I made that. I did this. I, I'm the one that went to work and, and I'm the one that figured this out or I'm the one that put in the time. Uh, really, where did you get the ability to get out of bed? Where did you get the breath that you breathe, right? You know what I'm saying? Or you, you, so, so you've got to realize that it's still God and he's provided. And so it's not wrong to have those things. Jesus just knows how bad it is when those things have you. He doesn't want those things controlling you. So consequences, like I said, may not show up and when it may show up in other areas. Uh, like, like, um, like I said, if you argued about money or you may, you know, have this happen at times. Uh, one thing's usually true. Oftentimes, when you really analyze, it's not every time, but oftentimes, it's not that there's not enough money to live. Uh, there probably is. It's just the focus is wrong. The priorities are wrong is, is a lot of times what it is. Not, not every time, but most of the time. So the, uh, we used to call it the bank book. Do we have bank books? Lance, hey, you're, you're a bank guy. We have bank books anymore. Do we have a bank book? Uh, we, we, okay, so you log on to your account, all right? And you better do that securely, okay? But anyway, and you look at all of your stuff, um, you know, it, it, might, it might show a symptom of, of deeper imbalances in your spiritual life and in your relationships. Because like in marriage, you know, it takes two, right? Um, and a lot of us have different approach to money. And um, so some of you who've been through the, the whole Simbus thing, we, we talk about, and it, and it talks about your style. Some are just more, you know, hoarders and savers, and some are more spenders and things like that. And I've noticed that, that most times opposites usually attract, we do, we do. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but <laughs> Okay, I'm nervous. See, I'm doing this again. You notice that? Uh, so um, that's the thing is, is, is working through this. And I'm going to tell you, this is where it comes to spiritual growth and, 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 and God has left us to hammer through these things and, and to work through these things, right? This is what it's about. I want to tell you, no one just, like in marriage, just meets their, their soulmate and, and, oh, you know, we're just like, uh, we just mesh together as a perfect pair and agree on everything. That's, yeah, I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of words like that uh, that, that, that could, could, could apply to it. Um, you become this. You become, relationship is hard work. And the ones that are experiencing the blessings are the ones that's gone through all the stuff. You remember when we went and, and heard Mark Gunger do that whole seminar on that and he was back over there in Psalms. I don't have the passage pulled up. I didn't know I was going to say this. I probably should, but, but anyway, I'm going to. But uh, back there where it talks about, you know, um, how oxen are a blessing, um, but where there's a lot of oxen, you know, there, there's a messy stable, right? When, oxen, when there's no oxen, the stable's clean, right? Um, and, and you apply that, he applies that to marriage. It's like, uh, you know, uh, ox are profitable, good to have, but if you're going to have oxes, you're going to have ox messes. Uh, I, I am one of those, we didn't have oxen, unless Holsteins are oxen too, but, 
but, and horses, you know. But I had to clean up the, the stable, right? The scoop, right? Scooping the lot and feeding the calves on the dairy was one of my first jobs, you know, as a kid, you know. Don't look so sad. I made it through. We'd have to go out there and after, after the milk and scoop the lot, you know, the old scoop. And, you know, especially in the springtime of the year when there's fresh green grass the cows are getting into, got to be careful. I'm just saying. Especially if, especially if, if, if the manure wagon is, is taller than what you are. But, but if there, this, is a, this is a Bible illustration, you guys. So he says if there's going to be marriages, you know, relate this to marriage. This is a principle. Marriage is a, is a good thing, right? It's a desirable thing. But if there's going to be marriage, there's going to be what he calls marriage poo. There's going to be messes, right? You're going to have to clean it up, you know? It's just like, hey, you want to have a clean stable, then you can't have oxen. You don't want to have any messes to do it, then you can't really have a marriage, right? So this is where those who are blessed and seem, you know, to be, they've worked through mess. Marriage poo. I was going to say crap, but I thought that wouldn't be right for me to say preaching, right? So I'm not going to say it. But that's the kind of stuff you got to get through. And, 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 and this, this doesn't just happen. We, we, we we're imbalanced and, 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 and we're just going to ignore it because we don't want to do it. It doesn't go away. <laughs> so, so Jesus has given us some wise words here. And so maybe, maybe you grew up and, and you had parents that didn't use credit very And it all comes from our, our background, right? Maybe you grew up and you had parents that didn't use credit very wisely. Um, and, and so, but you were used to just, if you needed something, get it right now. Cause that's kind of the way, that's all you've really known. Uh, but, but see the thing about your folks is, is they actually may have made a lot of money. And even though they were doing that, they just made enough money to cover it. Right. But you don't <laughs> see, uh, it could be like that. Or, um, or maybe, maybe you grew up in a home where, where they mismanaged and, and things got in trouble and there was friction and there were problems and you decided, I am not going to be that way. And so you've decided, I'm never going to have debt and I'm going to do that. And you accumulate and you begin to hoard and you become very selfish and you make an idol out of your stuff, see? See, it could go either way. Um, but see, here's the thing about it is a lot of times we are unbalanced in, in our priorities here. Uh, but, but the thing about us Americans is, is we make just enough money to be able to, to stay in the black. Uh, we, we, we can make that minimum payment, right? We, we, can, we can stay in, in that. But, but our children may grow up with uh, distorted values or maybe an entitlement mentality. Um, and, but if kids never grow up hearing mom and dad uh, talk about their Christian values and biblical values and how that intersects, how they manage their time and their money, um, it's going to be easier for our kids to take their cues from the world and follow the world's path. And the world is always trying to sell you something. That, that, that's the way this works, you know, and we're coming into Christmas. And the advertisers, this is what they have to do. They have to try to make us think we need things that maybe we do or don't need, Right? And this is what we do during Christmas is we're trying to think of what we're going to buy someone, right, who doesn't need anything, right? So we're buying stuff. How's it go? We buy stuff with money we don't actually have. We buy stuff that nobody actually needs with money that we don't actually have to give to people who, what, have everything. They don't need anything. And, and this, is, this is what we're, we're going to be pressured in that. So that's why maybe we need to talk about this today. Is there a correlation between what I pray about and how I manage my time and my money? Do, do, do my kids see that? 
Did they see that? Do they still? And so this is an important thing. It's not separate. It's part of it. Uh, Because sometimes uh, our consequences show up in a financial realm. Sometimes it shows up in the relational realm and the strain and everything. But it always shows up in the spiritual realm. It always does. Being out of balance in one stage of life can affect another stage. I mean, um, you may be single and in debt and think, well, if I get married, then that'll solve it. But it doesn't. It doesn't solve it, right? Or you may be living under the, the, the wire here, uh, but you're just making enough to keep bases covered. But then what happens when you retire? See, so uh, uh, something in one stage of life can affect another. When you're single, can affect when you're married. Whenever your working years can affect your retirement. So we've got to think about that harvest that is sometimes future because a lot of times things are a mess right now and we're trying to look like, where did I mess up? Where did I mess up? And it may not be anything recent. It may be a whole pattern of things from way back. And so what do I do? Well, what we've got to do is think about today. All I can do is change the seed that I'm planting today. And God will help me walk through the rest of that harvest, but the harvest is going to change. See, that's the thing about today is especially young people, they want, what do they call it, instant total gratification. I want it and I want it now, right? It's like that Wentworth guy. It's my money and I want it now. The commercial, get it? It's my money and I want it now. See, they're not telling you everything. It's your money and you want it now. Now, we're going to take a good part of it ourselves, but, but you'll get some. Right? That's how they do that. Um, but, but because we're not willing to put in our time and we're not willing to be patient and plant the right seeds and wait for the harvest, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. And so we've got to be willing to, to, to take that time and, and to put in the work because when you're unbalanced, it creates worry constantly over whether I have enough. Uh, you might even have enough, but then you still have no peace. Um, and being unbalanced makes it easy to hoard and hard to give. It it, it makes it easy to spend and hard to save. And it makes it easy to presume upon the future. That is, if I get this job, if I could just get that raise, if I could, if I, if, 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 it makes it easy to presume upon the future than to prepare for the future. So being, being out of balance in a lot of these ways looks different for all of us, okay? But, but so here's the surprise, though. And we've all said this, and sometimes it don't hurt nothing to have a little extra income, right? Um, but, but here's the thing that happens so often. Surprise, more money can often create more imbalance. I mean, the more you have to manage and all, the easier it is to get out of balance with it, Right? If it's hard with a little bit, it's even harder with more. So sometimes, yeah, it would be good if you can if you can get a raise. That that's great, but but that may not be the that may not solve all of your problems. Okay, so that's what we're saying here, um, and this is true of, of all of our life. So um, anytime we think we have something extra of something, we're not as disciplined with it, are we? If we think we have extra, if we think we have a lot of time, we're not going to be as disciplined. If we think I've got enough, we're not going to be as disciplined with it. Um, and most of us think we probably have more time than probably what we actually have. So let's, let's start wrapping this up. Uh, for a financial or material focus versus spiritual. So there's a relationship between how I handle my money and, and all my stuff and my time and my relationship with God. That's what Jesus is telling us. There's a, there's a relationship between how I handle all these things, how I manage all these things. It says something about how I view God and my relationship with God. I need to bring all of this in line with the teachings of my Lord and Savior. So Jesus said there's a relationship between my use of money and my stuff and and the condition of my heart. Let's look at that verse again. For where your treasure is, 
That's where your heart is. Now, you can follow me around and call me Lord and do all that, but, but, but it's really that where your heart is is not with me, it's with that stuff. I mean, you ever have a... This would be weird, but... I mean, but this is really... Okay, let me just say this. Ladies, think when you were younger. You may have to take a little while here, so maybe you can't think that long. But no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Think about when you were younger. Did you want to date a guy that his stuff was more important than you were? Huh? See, I sent the right message to Clarissa right off the very first time we really talked. Really, I'd spoken at a church in Batesville, Arkansas. I was, uh, I was still 17 years old. Wow. But I had a car, a car that I had to work for. Dad would give us uh, some of the bull calves on the dairy and let us raise them. We'd make steers out of them. Uh, and then we would let them grow on some of his land. We'd sell them and we'd put the money in the bank. And, and we just started doing that, you know, in, in like first grade. And uh, we'd do that kind of in addition to our other stuff. I had enough money when I was senior in high school to buy a car, used car. Um, but we had to buy our vehicles, and it was good discipline. I thought, you know, it was cruel and unusual punishment when I was a kid, but, but as it turns out, he was right about so many things. But that car, I, I had put a lot of work for a lot of years into it, and I was, it wasn't much. It was, it was really nothing. It was, you know, it was laughable, but, but it, to me, it was a lot, really. And you, you have no idea, but you know, that first time after church, I was talking to Clarissa, and we were sitting there talking and everything, and she's wearing some really nice shoes, it seems like, but your feet were hurting. You said something about it. And I said, you can just sit down right there on the hood of my car. I wouldn't let my brother lay a book on my car. My scratch it. I let her set on my car. Can you remember that? I'm telling truth. You can say amen. It's true. I did. I did. I did it. I did it. So, so she knew right then. Okay? But see, if somebody acts like their stuff's more important than you are, that doesn't make you feel good. Well, how do you think God feels when we act like the stuff that's not really even ours is more important than he is? All right. Now, here's the thing. If we can trust God with our eternal soul, which is the most valuable thing we have, don't you think I can trust him with managing my time, talents, and treasures? Don't you think I can trust him in all these areas? Um, Because here's the point. God won't have total access to your heart until he has total access to your treasures. Because that's where your heart is. Jesus said so. Now, listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 24. We read it, but I want to put it back up there. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So then he says, he's talking about two masters. Then he says something that really surprises the disciples. Now, you've heard it all your life probably, but, but the first time this was said, it probably shocked them because they said, because now Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and, you would think, well, what, what, was, what was he going to say? You can't serve both God and the devil. But that's not what he says. He says you can't serve God. And, and, and the word in many translations is mammon. And mammon is actually a transliteration of the Aramaic word, which means wealth and stuff and money. Uh, a lot of modern translations just say money. You can't serve <laughs> both God and the two masters. Who's your two masters? Well, you, you think the opposites would be God and the devil, but he says God and stuff. You can't serve both of those. Uh, are, you going to, are you going to serve stuff and hope God will help you? Are you going to surrender your stuff, all your time, talent, treasures to his lordship and, and trust him? Because you can't have it both ways, Jesus says. Did you know that Jesus spoke a lot about money, but he never asked for it? 
You never find Jesus asking for it. So his goal wasn't to get it. It was to keep it from getting us. That's why he talked about it. Okay? So when I worship God even in giving, uh, and, and, and the way I manage these things makes me more free to do that, what I'm doing is I'm stating by action the faith that I have that everything I have actually belongs to him. And I want to worship him with a portion of it. Uh, we believe a tithe is a good way to go there. We're not under the Old Testament law. We're in the New Testament. But, but we, we think that's a good way to go. But then beyond that, what do I give even? But then beyond that, the part that remains in my trust that, that I call mine is still his too. How do I manage that? You, you see what I'm saying? How, how do I give because it all belongs to him? Do I trust him enough to give? If you say, well, I just can't afford to give. You never will with that attitude. Um, but it's not just about what I give. It's, it's what do I do with what's left? It's not like, okay, I took care of God. Now, me, me, me. No, God says, I'm still the owner of that. You're a manager. Do you understand this? So let's, let's take it home. What am I supposed to do? Well, let me just give you a few little take-homes here, okay? Uh, track it or lack it, you know? It's my hard-earned money, right? Right? You did work hard. You should know where it goes. And, and it amazes me how many times that we get to talk about this. We really, we, I don't know where the money goes. You know, I would say a good exercise to take home from today is, is with all this stuff, track your time, track your spending, and, and, and over a month's time, just, just if you could do this, even on a piece of paper, uh, but, but just start tracking what you spend all your time, what the most of your time, the most exciting time, and, and, and all your money, where does it go? And you might like, um, man, I didn't know I spent that much on coffee. Wow. Huh. Or, or things like that. But you should know where it goes. At least start there. You may not be able to solve all your problems. At least find out where it all is going. You can do this. Right? And, and, and keep track of your time. It's like we give God an hour on Sunday, and, and what? Is there 168 hours in the week? One out of 68, what does that say if we're not spending time with God during the week? Think about these things. Um, then, then we focus a, about ownership. When we understand he owns it all, that's going to change uh, my, whole, my whole life. And I understand why I have time, why I have stuff, why I have things in the first place. Is it just pay bills and make a living and be comfortable and live free? What's the main point of it? Why do I have things? Is it to glorify God? Because if I get this wrong, I'm never going to have peace. and I'm never going to have fulfillment, even if I have all those other things. But if I seek him first, Jesus said he's going to add those other things to me. So we get it right. We're seeking all those other things and we don't have him. Seek him, and he's going to take care of the other things, okay? And watch this. Close with these two verses, Luke 16, 10. He, Jesus says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And I have to ask myself, maybe in true riches, you know, that's more than just money, Right? Maybe one reason why we don't have as many true riches is I'm not being very faithful in the little bit of other stuff that I have. So if I'm not faithful here, why do you think you're going to be faithful with that? Or if you can't do a good job where you are, what makes you think you'll do good with more? In other words, until you're faithful with what God has put there for you, 
Why should he give you more? Why should he give you true riches? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I...